Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome back to 10 weeks of the Dyslexia Mom Boss podcast. So very, very excited. Um, after this, I am excited to announce that I will start having guests. I will start having moms on this podcast to start sharing their stories, um, their feelings, their process, because I really, truly feel that, um, you know, you're not alone in this journey and it's so helpful to hear other people experiencing the same things that you're feeling or thinking. And, you know, silence is not the way to suffer. Like, we are not going to sit here and suffer in silence. That's exactly why I talk about these things. I really, truly believe that we have to get our foundation first. And then once we understand who we are in the context of where we are in this journey as moms, we are able to then have an open heart and listen and network and connect. So today's episode is about how to approach the IEP meeting. Now, I will preface this by saying I had an episode <clears throat> back in July called Managing Emotions in IEP Meetings. So that was my fourth episode, and that really was focusing on um, self-regulation, because we know with our children, we will do anything possible to um, take away any pain, make sure they have what they need. And, you know, something within us that mama bear comes out and we just can't think clearly or hear straight, especially if a person is delivering information that is just not in the kindest way. So I think that if you haven't done your own self-regulation work, if you don't know your own triggers, if you're new in this journey, I um, strongly encourage you to go back and listen to episode two, where I talk about boundaries in motherhood. I talk about um, the third episode is self-regulation. How do you put your oxygen mask on first? And then I talk about how you can manage your emotions in an IEP meeting. And I actually give an example of um, a situation that I actually encountered when I was um, a case manager in an IEP meeting with a mom who probably could have benefited from those self-regulation skills in um, interacting with a general educator. So Anyway, I just think the foundation is so critical in building the steps towards a successful decubed journey. So with that being said, today we are going to talk about how to approach that IEP meeting. Now, I recognize that there are moms in various stages of this journey. So perhaps you're a mom where you just got the diagnosis and you have no idea which way is up. All you know is that you're in a state of shock. You're in a state of ignorance. You don't know where to turn. You don't know who you can trust. You don't know what interventions your child needs. And more than likely, if you have this um, newly diagnosed concern, there's probably more than one 
disability on that evaluation. And you're probably thinking, okay, where do I start? So I want to honor the moms that are very new in this journey. I also want to honor the veteran moms who've been at this for a while. And you probably are thinking back to your first IEP meeting and thinking back to when you first read that psych report. And I've had a lot of moms actually um, share their vulnerability and say, you know, I just cried. I didn't know what to do. Um, I felt like it was my fault. I should have seen the signs. And and that's not what we're, we're not here to judge. We're here to boss up. We're here to um, grab resources and be knowledgeable and, and um, support ourselves and each other in this journey. So these six points are actually things that I think any mom could use at any point in their journey, but more so for the moms that Perhaps you're very emotional and can't think, I don't know, because you don't know what you don't know. And when you're walking into a situation with your emotions and not with your logic brain, you're not really going to get a lot of bang for your buck. So it's, again, it's really important to have your emotions regulated, know your triggers, have your toolkit, your resources to know, I might need to take a breather, I might need to whatever the case might be, reschedule the meeting, uh, whatever it is. But this is to prepare you for any IEP meeting, whether it's your first, whether it's your 60th. So first things first, tip number one, write a list of the issues that you feel are important. Remember, you have a voice at the table. You're not going to just sit there and listen to what the teachers and the service providers are telling you. Now, that is also a feeling of intimidation. If you have a really good special ed team, they'll make sure that there aren't eight people at the table because that's just not fair to you as a parent. You know, more than likely, the more people that are at the meeting, the more contentious the issue is. And that's from my experience. I've had an IEP meeting where it's just me and my case, um, where it was me and my team leader and the parent. That's three people, you know, depending on if that child has um, speech services or, or psych services, then perhaps they were there too. But there's no reason for you to have eight, 10, 12 people at these IEP meetings. And sometimes that is a gimmick. Sometimes that's the plan from the school. They want to scare you. So come with, um, actually, I take that back. There should always be a general educator there. And if there isn't, then there should be like a testimonial or something that you put in the meeting notes that they contributed because legally you do have to have a general educator there. Um, but anyway, create a list of things that you feel are important. Maybe you don't feel like they're being addressed and come prepared with them. Tip number two, prepare your own questions to address. So I say that because more than often parents will sit there and then we will present information and then we'll ask questions. Well, you know, have you seen the homework sheet or how many hours a week are you working on this skill or whatever the questions are? Make sure you have questions too. So these are a little bit different from the issues. So perhaps maybe an issue is, um, I've noticed that when I check my child's grades on the LMS, whatever it might be, I'm having trouble accessing X 
are they turning in assignments? This is a miscommunication between us at home. You know, that's more of an issue. Preparing questions are more like, you know, how is my child being accommodated with this current writing assignment that I see they're struggling with? Can you explain to me what ways you're differentiating in the classroom? Whatever it is, you're coming with questions to discuss at the meeting. And you can even have quite, you can question the IEP goals and objectives. You can question the data points. I mean, I've, I've seen a wide range where some parents don't have any questions. And to me, that's actually very concerning because you're just trusting everything we're doing, which that's great, but don't you want to be more involved? But I realized when I asked myself those questions earlier in my career, that was actually a very ignorant question that I would say to myself, don't you want to be involved? Well, that's presumably they aren't involved. Perhaps it could be they don't know what to ask. Perhaps it could be they're trusting that their child will, quote, get better. So I just want you to feel equipped to know you can ask any question about this document or what is going on at school because you're an active participant. Uh, Tip number three, be an informed participant in the process and request that the schools providing you with the evaluations, proposed goals, objectives, placement, you know, prior to this meeting, you need to have all your ducks in order. I've seen parents come to meetings with just themselves. And I've also seen parents come to meeting with a folder of all of the evaluations that their child ever had. And again, remember, I was a public school secondary special educator. So when I was managing um, and co-teaching eighth grade, that's a lot of IEPs. That's a lot of data. So it's really important for, um, you know, you to walk into these meetings feeling like, hey, I, you know, this evaluation stated this, you know, can we talk about maybe what this goal and objective could look like? Now, you also want to be careful and you don't want to tell your child's team, the IEP team, well, I want these goals on here because that also negates the teacher's ability to know what could be right for your child. Now, I want to stress that the IEP team is not one person. It is a team. The team decides what is appropriate for um, the child. And that's where we meet. We reassess if this isn't working. Do we take this goal off? That's why data is really, really critical in that process. So definitely know that um, having all of that information can really help. I will say, for example, I had a parent who wanted, I, I believe their child actually had dyslexia. Their parent wanted um, a goal and objective to be to learn how to spell. And they were very adamant about that. And we had to put our foot down and say, that is not an appropriate, that is not an appropriate eighth grade goal and objective. You know, at this point, unfortunately, that's what spell check is for. Because that also bruises a kid's ego. Why am I going to take hours out of his special education services to teach him how to spell. That is a completely different intervention. Perhaps there are decoding issues there that that might need to be addressed in an explicit multisensory approach. So, you know, you can ask the question, is this a possibility? And then when you get the answer, you know, 
be prepared for what that answer will look and feel like for you. And that's obviously when you have to go back with your self-regulation tools to say, okay, that was really triggering. I just want my kid to learn to spell. But I understand that that is probably not an appropriate goal for a 14-year-old. Tip number four, written notice of the IEP will be included with a list of participants. Be sure to review that list. So if you have on there the school psychologist, so this is actually another great example. So let's just say the general educator's name is on the the notice. So let's just say it's uh, John Doe. John Doe is your child's English teacher. And you see all the other names on the meeting notice and you're like, okay, that's great. Well, let's just say John Doe is your child's English teacher and you're feeling frustrated with English. And let's say that you have some issues you want to bring up. And let's say you prepare your questions. You want to definitely double check whoever that point person is and say, hey, I just want to double check if John Doe is going to be um, active at the meeting. Um, I know his name is on the notice, but I know sometimes things can come up. I just have a few questions that I'd like to address at the meeting. I think that then lets the team know, okay, we need to make sure if anything happens, there's coverage for John Doe so he can come to the meeting for 15 minutes. Because I have had parents say, well, so-and-so was on this meeting notice, but now this is a different general educator. And we don't want to play warm body general educator. (laughs) We don't want to say the math teacher is coming and then the parents are prepared for questions with the math teacher. And then all of a sudden the home ec teacher comes like that's not good at all. We want clear communication. And I think that's important for you to get that meeting notice ahead of time. I can't remember. I think it's supposed to be 10 days before the meeting. That might vary before um, by state, but definitely be sure to, um, you know, feel like everybody that's there that you need there. And and let's say you don't really care. I mean, and I don't mean you don't care, but let's say you don't really have a major concern with the general educator, then that's fine too. But I just want you to be cognizant of that. All right. The fifth tip is if this is your first IEP meeting, I highly suggest I mean, you're listening to this this podcast, so this is obviously, you know, you getting support too, but talk to other parents who've been through that process. Find uh, your local decoding dyslexia group. Find a mom group. I know that there's tons of Facebook groups out there, but be sure to find your people. Ask those questions. Get vulnerable. You know, say, hey, you know, I'm feeling really defeated about this. You know, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Obviously, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just that in that moment, you don't feel it. And so when you find people, like there's a huge network of moms um, on Instagram who are following the science of reading and and teachers, too. It's 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 crazy to me, not in a bad way, but it's crazy to me to think that that so many teachers and parents are getting professional development and knowledge all through Instagram. I love it because I love Instagram and that's, you know, how I connect with most of you. But be sure to find your people, be sure to connect, be sure to ask questions. You never know if you don't ask questions. And the the sixth and final tip before entering an IEP meeting is to truly know your child. Now, I, I know you know this. I know you know this. But really, really communicate who your child is to the people at the table who don't or may not know 
your child. So provide a list of strengths, challenges, preferences, learning styles, what works, what's successful, what environments are not successful or are successful. What are things they love? And I think that, um, you know, sometimes, well, all times we judge a book by its cover. That's just human nature. But there are many times where a teacher can say, oh, well, you know, not to the parent, but to another teacher, God, this kid, man, this kid was so slow. Like, can you believe they didn't even know this? And then, you know, that teacher starts to get this persona of that child in their head because they're not getting a concept fast enough or they, you know, are too talkative or they have to go to the bathroom or whatever. And then they start painting in their head all of the negatives rather than finding the strengths. And I think that a good testament to any teacher is they can find at least one positive about a child that they that they teach, especially the child that challenges them the most. And I think in order for all ears to be present and all hearts to be open, it's really important to come from the place of although, you know, my child might really struggle in English and might be a behavioral issue. I'm not saying you say this. I'm just painting the picture. You want to say, you know what, but they love being read to, or, you know, they are just the biggest helper and love to help cook and whatever it is, because when you give those strengths and those preferences and those learning styles, those are things that can be written in the accommodations of, oh, well, we want to make sure that this child has movement breaks or that, you know, they have um, certain fidgets or whatever it is, or maybe we can weave in how the home ec teacher can help teach math or whatever it is. And so I think those are really important things to bring to the table. So to summarize, before entering an IEP meeting, you can you should create a list of issues that you feel are important. These are your talking points. You should come up with questions that you want addressed, whether it's about the IEP, the objectives, the goals, the differentiation, the services, whatever it is, come with questions. You should be um, an informed participant in the process of the evaluations, the goals, the objectives. Make sure you are aware of what you're walking into. You should also get that written IEP notice um, of all the participants and be sure to double check if you have specific questions or areas of concern that those people will be there and maybe even take it a step further and say, if they aren't going to be present for whatever reason, can you please let me know in advance so I can adjust or whatever it is. Um, Find your people, find your people connect with um, other moms, other parents, get vulnerable, uh, get on social media, just find support groups. There is so much support out there for you. Find your local decoding dyslexia group. And the last one is know your child, but know your child in a way that you can communicate um, the beauty and the well-roundedness of who they are, because that truly will make a difference. Okay, so I hope you found this episode helpful in understanding how to approach the IEP meeting. Now, I did say 504 meeting as well. Those meetings are run a little bit differently because the 504 isn't nearly as intense and as documented as the IEP. But you can obviously still ask all of those questions and be prepared mentally and physically for these somewhat emotionally draining meetings with schools. So 
with that being said, this is episode 10. I can't believe it. So going forward, I will have guests. I will have moms who will be on here sharing their stories, sharing their wins, their triumphs, any advice that they want to offer. So this is, I'm going to say this is probably concluding season one where I gave you 10 foundational episodes on how to be a dyslexia mom boss. And now it's time to hear from the bosses out there to know that you're you're doing it. You're doing it and you're doing it well and it's a journey and it's a process. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to this podcast. Again, if you um, just kind of listen to ones that the titles interest you, I think that is excellent. Um, Definitely go back and listen to other ones if you haven't, because some of them build on each other. So thanks again so much. And I look forward to hearing some feedback from you all. Don't forget to subscribe, like, follow me on Instagram at the Dr. Lauren, and I will see you all next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.